do ask that even as we hear the word today, that you would do something in our hearts that's unique and special. Just because you're here, your presence is in this place. And Lord, your word is life and it's light unto us. And so thank you for just giving it to us and allowing us to participate in your truth. And so, Lord, shape our hearts today. Do something that only you can do, just like that last song. Only something you can do in each of our hearts to just believe, to trust, and to walk in the fullness of what you have for each one of us. In Jesus' strong name. Okay, so today we're going to talk about come to Jesus and you'll see why in uh, a couple of the passages that we use, but coming to Jesus. So most, I think, everybody knows this by now because I'm going to mention it probably every week until we get to uh, the month of uh, May, that what we are going to do as a church, our goal is to participate in what they call Go 2020. And... uh, Go 2020 is a website that uh, it's a vision of, of the, it's called the Global Network. There's actually 2,000 ministries that have gathered together as well as 500,000 churches all throughout the world that have gathered together into what's called the Global Network. And so what their vision is and what their heart is is to see one billion people led to Jesus in the month of May. Now it says, well, one billion, that's like one-seventh of the population of the world. But if you think about it, they're looking, and I don't know how they've done their math, but they talked about having 100,000 believers gather together and seek to reach someone who's lost. Now, if you did 100,000, you'd have to have 10 people to the Lord during that month. And so the average person's probably not going to be able to do that many. But you never know, because once we open ourselves to God and we just say, here we go, God, I'm going to move ahead and I'm going to step out and I'm going to believe for you to do things. And we're going to be praying and believing and asking God to, um, to, to move We're going to actually, during the month of April, we're going to try to get a calendar uh, up, and we'll probably start handing that out next week, try to get every single single person in our congregation praying and fasting so that we cover the whole month. You'd take one or two days, and you'll say, I'll fast, and I'm going to pray for souls. I'm going to pray for people to come to the Lord. I'm going to pray for breakthrough in the lives of people and so that we'll we'll be able to do that and if you come to the training that we're going to have in April I'll talk about that at, at the end of the sermon if you come to that training you'll have a list of of a hundred people that you can pray for some of them to come to know the Lord and then as we reach out to them and seek to help them come to know Jesus then then that will be a wonderful thing But just think, if you had 200,000 people, they'd only have to lead five people to the Lord. And then if you had, you know, three, it just lessens it and lessens it and lessens it. So hopefully more people will respond than just 100 100 million, even though that seems to be a lot of people. But if you have 500,000 churches, 100 million is not that many people. 
So what I would, what my heart is, is that every one of us would learn and go through the training that we're going to do in April and just seek to reach out and see what the Lord would do to have somebody one to the Lord and help them to come to Jesus. And so why this is important is because I think it's in the heart of God. It's in God's heart. God desires for people to come to know him. God desires. He sent Jesus so that he could reconcile us to himself. So reconcile, the word reconcile means that, first of all, that we're at odds with God. And sin in our lives has caused us to be at odds with God. But reconciliation means to restore a relationship that was uh, in an adversarial kind of way. There needs to be a restoring But everything starts in the heart of God. We have to think of who God is. We have to think of his heart. We have to think of his love. We have to think of his purpose. And I just have a couple scriptures, you know. You know how I am. It's going to be in the scripture if I'm going to talk about it because I just don't want to talk about anything else, I guess. If If I'm preaching the word, it has to be the word of God. So you see tons of scripture every sermon I ever do because I think it's important for us to to let the Word of God shape our thinking, shape our hearts, and really to capture the, the, the focus of what God wants to communicate. And so out of this, everything starts in the heart of God. So the first thing I want to say about that is God loves every single person in the world. Every single person. Even the most wicked, evil, terrible, rotten, nasty person that you think you can think of God loves that person. And it's his heart and his desire for them to come to know the Lord. And so uh, Peter's dealing with some people who were mocking the idea that Jesus was going to come again, that he's going to come again and he's going to bring judgment and there's going to be a resurrection from the dead. The, the, those who are alive in Christ will, will be with him and those who are who have not come to him will be judged and and so they were mocking this thing but here's what peter says but do not let this one fact escape your notice beloved that with the lord one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like one day and the lord is not slow about his promise as some count slowness But he's patient towards you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. So here we get a glimpse of the heart of God. Why isn't Jesus back yet? Because they've been saying, Jesus said, hey, I'm going to come quickly. You know, is 2,000 years quickly? But here it shows us a glimpse of the heart of God that he wants as many people as possible to respond to him. And, you know, when it talks about the things that are going to happen, there's going to be, uh, you know, there's a thing where it talks about a falling away, but there's going to be a massive revival where God is going to bring this world to himself so that when he comes back, there are going to be people from every tribe, every tongue, every language. Every people group, it says it in the book of Revelation, so we know it's true. We know it's going to happen. We know it's going to take place. Every single people group, every single ethne is what they're called. So that's people group. 
that are gathered together by language and all those things. So he's going to do it. And the reason that he hasn't come is because he wants people to repent and be saved and come into a relationship with him because he has such an everlasting love. It all begins with the heart of God. And God's heart is for people. And so God's vision, God's vision is, is huge. His vision is the whole world. He tells us to go into all the world and to preach the gospel to everyone, to all creation, to speak forth the truth of the gospel. And here's what he says in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus came up and he spoke to his disciples saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And so his heart is for every single person to hear the gospel, every single person to have an opportunity to come to a knowledge of the truth and to come to him. And so that's one of the reasons that we're still here. You know, wouldn't it be interesting? I don't know how this would work, but you accept Christ and boop, you're gone, you know? That, that would be kind of fun in the sense that we'd be in his presence and we'd be out of here. But he kept us here so that we can impact this world, so that we could be exactly what he says. We are the light of the world. He says about himself, I am the light of the world. But then he says about us, you are the light of the world. And he's given us a commission to go and to reach and to minister to people. And so we want to be faithful to that. And so the final thing I want to say about this under this concept of everything starts with God is it's all about him. It's about his love. It's about his purpose. It's about his reasons. So when we're doing this, we're doing the will of the Father. We're doing his heart beat, the things that he desires to see and take place. And so what I'd like to do, we're going to look at five different people in the scriptures. This is just out of the first part of the book of John, first nine chapters. We're going to look at five different people who brought people to Jesus. We're going to kind of see how it worked with them and how it could work with us. Because if we're going to be seeking to bring people to the Lord in, in the month of May, it, it, it can be done fairly easily it doesn't have to be super complex and that's what i like about the things that we'll be teaching on those four nights in april four monday nights we're going to be teaching you how to how to give a 15 second testimony how to give a three minute testimony how to share the gospel in a non-confrontive awesome way it's the best i've ever seen in my life and i've read i have books on evangelism and blah 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 you know me I have books on all these things, and every single other one seems to be more confrontive and just confronts, and where this way of doing it lays out the gospel, the truth of the gospel, and asks people, where do you think you are in, in relation to this story? So it gives them a chance to say where they are and where they'd like to be, and then we explain how they can get there. It's so cool. You'll love it. But we're going to be doing that, and we're going to be showing ways that you can actually just look for people who are open because 
Jesus says, he says, don't say four months, then's the harvest. Lift up your eyes. The harvest is ripe. It's ready. It's prepared. There are people in our city right now that if we were actually came across them and talked to them about Jesus, they would accept Jesus. There are people in this city who are ready, who are prepared, and there are people in this city who aren't. <laughs> but that's okay. We're to look for the ones who are ready. Do you remember how Jesus went? He said he was, he gave the parable of the lost sheep, and there was a hundred sheep and one was lost, and they went out hunting. And that's what it is. It's finding the lost one. It's finding the one who's ready and prepared and bringing them into the kingdom. And so what I want to do is look at these five different people, and I want to get, there's, I think, eight principles that, that are just really simple, and you can grab these from these scriptures that I'm going to be reading. So I'll highlight, I'll, I'll highlight the theme, and then we'll read some scripture and see what the, what the scripture talks about. So the first thing, and I'm not going to read anything on this one, I just want to highlight this as we begin this, is that when we're talking about sharing about Jesus, our goal is to bring people into a relationship with Jesus. It's a relationship. It's bringing them to Jesus. It's not believe my doctrine, believe all this, you know, the things that we can get so easily caught up with. You know, like you talk to people, what do you believe about this? What do you believe about that? And then we base our relationship to them on that rather than just seeing that what we want to do is bring people to Jesus. We want to bring them to him because he's the savior. He's the only one. Our doctrines don't save. Jesus saves our fun little things that we hold as absolute you know truth and if anyone believes differently we struggle with that those things if 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 people don't come to Jesus and have faith in Jesus and look to him then it's not going to be a relationship it's going to be based on the things that we're trying to teach them rather than bringing them to Jesus so this is a relationship that we're talking about and it's so important and so <clears throat> the second and third principles can be seen in John chapter 1. Sharing, uh, sharing Jesus with those who are close to you. The, the easiest way to do it is that there are people that are close to you, and some, some say, well, that's the hardest. But if you look at the scripture, this is kind of how it happened. This, we see a brother. Well, let's, let's go through and, and do some reading here in a minute. But, and then it's just inviting people to come and see. I want you to see how I think sometimes we make it so complex and so difficult when what we're doing is we're saying, come and see Jesus. Come and respond to Jesus and see what he will do in your heart and in, in your life and those kind of things. So, Right now, we're going to look at John the Baptist and Andrew because they're in the same passage. John the Baptist and Andrew. So it says in uh, John chapter 1, verse 35, it says, again, the next day, John the Baptist, right, he was standing with two of his disciples. So these are ones that are following after him. 
And remember, his message was, there's one coming after me who I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals. There's one coming after me that's going to be baptizing with the Holy Spirit. He came to make a declaration that there was one coming. He's a voice crying in the wilderness. And so now he has his disciples and they're following him. And now he understands that Jesus is the one. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the Son of God. He understands this. And so then he goes like this. He looked up at Jesus as he walked, and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. So he's got two disciples, and he's pointing to Jesus. Behold, the Lamb of God. So he's pointing them to Jesus. That's the important thing here. And the two two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following, and he said to them, What do you seek? And they said, Rabbi, which translated means teacher. Where are you staying? And he said to them, come and you will see. And so they came and they saw where he was staying and they stayed with him that day for it was about the 10th hour. And one of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew. So one of them was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. (laughs) Oh boy, we got to get people to watch our little kids oh jesus they tried already oh no well we'll have to lock them in just kidding yeah it's that age they're in the middle thank you for doing that then good 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 so one of the two who heard john speak and followed him was andrew simon peter's brother and he found first, I kind of like this, he says he found first. He said, I went, I saw Jesus, I spent the night with him, I heard him, I know who he is, and I'm going to tell my brother. So the first thing he did, it says, he went first to his own brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which translated means Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. That's the highlight right there. He brought him to Jesus. Hey, I found the Savior. I found the Messiah. Come. And he brings him to Jesus. And that's what we're really doing is seeking to just bring people to Jesus because he'll do a work in their heart. So he brought him to Jesus, right? And Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, the son of John, and you shall be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. So we see that he goes right to his brother, one who is close to him. And so then Philip and Nathanael. So Philip then, it says the next day, Jesus purposed to go in Galilee and he found Philip. And Jesus said to him, follow me. So he's saying, you follow me. And now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, Come and see. Just come and see. This is really interesting because you see that Peter didn't really have any objections. He went and followed his brother. But now Nathanael goes, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Nazareth, because there was a prejudice against the the northern part, uh, Nazareth. 
And even, uh, you know, the Pharisees, and it says, there's no prophets who come out of Nazareth. They're not in the scripture. But they didn't realize that Jesus was born in Bethlehem, like the scripture said he would be. He just lived there uh, for a good portion of his life. And so they missed it because they thought, can anything good come out? And so then, of course, Jesus says, I saw you sitting under the tree. And he goes, oh, you're the, you're the son of God. And he goes, oh, you believe because I, I uh, said you were sitting under the tree. I saw you sitting there. You're going to see greater things than these. Of course, he did many signs and miracles to prove the reality of, of what he was speaking. And so can anything good come out of Nazareth? But he says, come and see. Come and see. And so we know because he's one of the disciples, one of the 12 that are listed later on, he followed Jesus. And he ultimately gave his life for Jesus because every single one of the disciples except for John was martyred because of preaching Jesus. They were killed, each in a different way, for following after Jesus and proclaiming his truth. And so, so this is important. And so um, Andrew just goes, uh, not Andrew, Philip just goes, come, come and see, come and see. And we can just speak to people, come, check it out, check him out. The other thing about this too is that Sometimes I think, and maybe you do too, people need more information than they truly need to, to get saved. They need to know all this information. They need to be taught for weeks and months and all these kind of things. But what you see is what's so interesting is that when, when, uh, when they go into all the world, what they do is they begin to go and they begin to preach and people believe. It says every day people were being added to the church day by day as many as the lord would save and so so there's this idea that i've always had well i got to teach them everything so that they have something to put their faith in but what's so interesting is that the preaching of the gospel the proclaiming of what jesus has done and what he's made available to us is enough for a person to begin to have a relationship with Jesus. They can preach. You can preach one time and a person can hear it and get saved because it's the Spirit of God working their heart. It's not having all this increased knowledge. So the fourth thing is that people begin a relationship with Jesus by believing our witness. And then they grow in their relationship. They'll experience what Jesus is doing in their life, and they'll believe because of, of, of him working in them. But it's always there's, there's a messenger that speaks, there's a messenger that proclaims, and people respond to that. And so we're going to go, and you, you know the story of the woman at the well. I've even preached on it a couple times recently and, and mentioned it. But remember, Jesus begins to speak to the woman, and then what happens is that he says, go tell your husband. And she goes, I perceive you're a prophet because, I, you know, I don't have a husband. And he, he tells her all this stuff. Yeah, you're a prophet. You're a prophet. And so her heart was changed. And so then what happened is she immediately went and told the people of her village. And she said this. says, so the woman left her water pot and she went into the city and said to the men, come See a man 
who told me all things that I have done. This is not the Christ, is it? And it says they all went out of the city and they were coming to him. So here's one. This is the same day. She left her water pot. Jesus talks to her, touches her heart, and instantly she goes and she begins to talk about Jesus. Instantly. And the people are amazed because he told her all the things (laughs) that she had done. Obviously, the conversation that we have here in the Scripture is just a portion of it. It's always that way. You can't put in everything that Jesus said or did. You know he said other things. And you know when he taught, he taught other things. Not just, he didn't, you know, here's crowds following him all day and and he teaches 10 parables. Well, that only lasts for about half an hour. So guess what? He's teaching them more things. But these are the things that they're showing us and helping us to see. So he's speaking to this woman. He's showing her more things than are revealed here. And she says, come and see. That's so cool. She says, "Um, come see a man. So again, she's doing that come see business. I love that. And... uh, So the people believed because of what she said. And here's what it says in verse 39 of John chapter 4. It says, From that city, many of the Samaritans believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. So when we testify about Christ, when we proclaim who he is, people can believe just because of the words we're speaking. And then it says, um, Because she testified, He who told me all the things that I have done, so when the Samaritans came to Jesus, when they, he says, she says, come, when they came, they were asking him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And it says more, many more believed because of his word. And they were saying to the woman, it's no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard ourselves, and we know that this one is indeed the Savior of the world. And so when people come to Jesus, they're going to many times come not understanding who he is, not understanding the fullness of it, but what they'll do is they'll grow. And as they come to Jesus and he begins to work in their life, then what's going to happen is they're going to believe because of what he's doing in their lives. And so they'll deepen their relationship with Jesus. So the gospel message then is the fifth point that the Lord's, the gospel is the Lord's message and people must hear it. Now, I hear this all the time. There's always this, this stuff that people do, even ones, you know, I teach. I, I, I teach classes and stuff, and I even have students in my classes. And they always say something like this. I'll show people that I'm a believer by my works, by what I do. They'll see my life and they'll know. Well, they don't know the gospel by looking at our lives. They might know the result of the gospel. You know, if someone comes up to me and says, Terry, you're the nicest guy I know, I, you know, and you, I just can't believe you. You're just so wonderful. Why, you know, well, <laughs> then they're looking at me and they're thinking I'm nice. And so, you know what, if anyone ever compliments me like that, I said, you know what, the reason, I don't just say, ah, get out of here. I go, you know, the reason is because I accepted Jesus. I said, I used to be an angry person. I'd punch you in the head if I didn't agree with you. I'd scream and yell at you. I'd go insane on you. He says, but Jesus came into my life and changed me. And they go, oh, I can't believe that you used to be that way. I said, well, you can believe it. 
I said, the reason I'm the way I am is because of Jesus. So I always give a testimony to the Lord because I know my life, the way it was headed before I came to him, was destruction. It was death. You know, my prior life, what I did before I came to Jesus, I sniffed paint, I took drugs, I sold drugs, I stole, I was, uh, you know, just, I drank, and I'd probably be like my dad who was an alcoholic for most of his life till he came to the Lord. And when I drank, I drank till I passed out or puked. That was my two Ps, pass out or puke. That's the way it goes. And, uh, and so that was my life. So can you see where that would go if I just kept living that life, living in that? But then I came to Jesus, and he touched my heart. He changed my life. He totally transformed me. He began to heal me and bring me life. And so now I have a, a testimony. There's a testimony that we can speak, and there's the gospel. And here's what Paul says about it. This is so important for us to understand that we have a message to speak. We can't just say, oh, people will look at my life. They'll think you're nice, but they're not going to know about Jesus. They're not going to know about him unless you tell them. And here's what Paul says. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. In other words, he's saying everyone in the world comes by the same route, by faith. We have to have faith, and we have to proclaim the gospel so that they know it. It says, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. And so what's the gospel? The gospel was speaking about what Jesus did, how God sent his son, and how Jesus came and he lived a, a, a as the son of God, he's, he was God himself. He came down and he lived a perfect life and he went into the tomb and he rose again from the dead because death could not hold him because he was sin free. And if we believe on him and trust in him, he'll forgive us of our sins. He'll restore us into a relationship with God and help us to grow into the people he actually created us to be. And that's the, that's the gospel in a super nutshell. Boom. You give that gospel, and it's believing that. What does it say? It says that if we believe, if we confess with our mouth, if we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead and confess with our mouth, I'm getting it messed up. I'm going to go to Romans because I want to say it right. Don't want to butcher the word too much. Huh? Uh, I got to get it right. All right, here's what it says. If you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. And so there's a believing in the heart and there's a speaking forth. But the gospel needs to be proclaimed so that people can come to know Jesus, so they can come to the living one and be reconciled to God, which is really wonderful. And so, so these ones then, this woman began to teach and then they, because they followed Jesus and they listened to Jesus, they said, we have heard for ourselves and know that this one is the Savior of the world. 
So they trusted and they believed in him because of his own words and the things that he spoke. So the gospel message is, is what people need to hear. And so we have really two things to share. We have two things that every single one of us can share. If we, if we know the gospel, we can share that. That's the first thing. But we also have our testimony. So that's why during this training time, we're going to teach you a simple way to preach the gospel, to proclaim that and to open that up unto people. And it's so wonderful and it is so easy. I've actually got two of my granddaughters, the Faith and Selah, are going to be teaching us how to do this. So they can do it. They can do it. And so that means you can do it. They're, they're kids. So it's just really simple. It's just memorizing and doing it so that you can remember it easily. And so you have two things to share, the gospel and your testimony about what's going on. We preach the gospel about Jesus, and then we share what Jesus has done in our heart. And this is the one, um, this is the one from John chapter 9, the man born blind. This is one of my favorites as far as testimony stuff goes because... He gets after these Pharisees. It's really kind of interesting. So here's, here's a testimony. So what happens in John chapter 9, Jesus' uh, disciples see this blind man, and so they ask the question, who sinned, the, the parents or this guy, that he would be born blind? Because they had a false concept that there had to be some sin in their life in order to have sickness. But we have sickness because we're in this world. Sin does sometimes open us up to sickness, but in this case, Jesus says, neither his parents nor this guy sinned. This is going to be something that's for the glory of God. When he gets healed, God's going to be glorified. This, this isn't anything to do with the father or even the child that was born blind. So, you know, they even kind of believed you could sin in the womb, which is really kind of interesting concept. But, he says, no, it's not sin. sin. Sin, specific sin didn't cause this, just the sin of being in the world. And God's going to be glorified by the healing. And so then what he does is he, he spits, makes some mud, tells the guy to go to the pool, Siloam. He goes to the pool and he comes back and he can see. And so then there's this whole big hoot nanny going on where people are saying, oh yeah, he's the guy. Oh no, just looks like him. You know, because there's always some that question every single thing that happens. A miracle can happen right before their eyes, and they'll question it, and they'll say, no, nah, it really didn't happen. It's amazing to me how that works. But here's what takes place then. In verse 9 of, of chapter 9, it says, Others were saying, this is he. And still others were saying, no, but it, he's like him. But he kept saying, I am the one. He's testifying. I am the one. I am the one. He opened my eyes. I'm the one. And so they were saying to them, how then were your eyes opened? He answered, the man who is called Jesus made clay, anointed my eyes and said to me, go to the pool and wash. So I went and I washed and I received my sight. That's a testimony. That's exactly how it happened. Jesus came anointed him, put the mud on his eyes, said, go to the pool. And he said, when I did, that's all a testimony is, is saying what Jesus has done in your life. Every single one of us, if we've come to the Lord, he's done something in our heart, and we have something to share, something of reality. 
where Jesus makes something different. And that's what we can testify about. That's what we can speak about. And then this is what I love too. Then they said to him, where is he? And he said, I don't know. Like I'm in charge of him or something. You know, he, I have no idea where he is. He just came, he did this. I went to the pool, came back, and now he's gone. I have no idea because that's true. I mean, Jesus just came in contact with him and healed him. And so what's really kind of cool, though, is this seventh concept is that people grow in their understanding of who Jesus is. Every single one of us, I think. You know, when it says when you come to Jesus, you're a babe in Christ. You're a baby, little little baby, brand new, brand spanking new. You don't know nothing. All you know is that Jesus is Lord. And besides that, you don't know anything. You really don't know the depths of the Scripture unless you were raised in church or something and you heard Scripture over and over and then you came to Christ. But a lot of people have never heard the message. And when they hear the message, they respond and they come to Jesus and they get saved. And they grow in their understanding. We're going to see this in, in the last three scriptures that we're going to go through. So in uh, John chapter 9 then, verses uh, 13 through 17, here's what it says. So they brought to the Pharisee, the, the man who was formerly blind. Now it was the Sabbath day when Jesus had made the clay and opened his eyes. And then the Pharisees also were asking him again how he received his sight. And he said to them, he applied clay to my eyes and I washed and I see. Again, here's his testimony, just saying what Jesus did. Therefore, some of the Pharisees were saying, this man is not from God. Because he does not keep the Sabbath. But others were saying, how can a man who is a sinner perform such signs? And there was a division among them. You see this? This happens over and over again. The other people that were there were arguing. No, it can't be him. He just looks like him. There, there can't be miracles. And now he's with the leaders. And some of them are saying, no, he's a sinner. And the others are going, how can he be? No one does this. This doesn't happen. How can he open the eyes of a blind man? And it says, so they went up to the blind man again, and he says, what do you say about him since he opened your eyes? And he said, he is a prophet. So here's his understanding. At first, he has no idea who Jesus is, but now after some questioning, he begins to proclaim he's a prophet. He's, he's one of the prophets because he did a miracle. He did an incredible thing. He's a man of God. And so he has this idea and this concept. And so that's, uh, that's what he was proclaiming. And now I want to say the eighth point, and then we'll see how he grew in his understanding too. The eighth thing I want to say about this concept is we don't have to know everything just to share. We need to just share what we know. You can't answer everybody's questions. God won't even answer all my questions. I have questions for him. I'm sure you do too. Why does this happen? Why does that happen? What's going on? Why did this take place? Why, 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 why? He doesn't answer a lot of those questions. He just wants us to believe and trust in him and he'll move in our life. So we don't have to know everything. We just need to share what we know. That's all we can do. To be a faithful witness is to share what you know. 
proclaim that. And as you grow, you can share more. It's just the way it is. As you have more experience with Jesus, you have more testimonies. You know, I could sit here probably for hours and tell you testimony after testimony after testimony because I've known the Lord for 40 years. <laughs> so that's pretty awesome. 41 now. What? In May, it'll be 41 years. And so here's, here's what happens now. Um, the Jews then, this is verse 18, so we we'll just keep reading. It says, the Jews then did not believe it of him that he had been blind. Oh yeah, he's just scamming you, I'm sure. They didn't believe that he had been blind and had received sight until they called the parents of the very ones who had received his sight and they questioned them saying, is this your son who you say was born blind? Then how does he now see? His parents answered and said, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind. And how his eyes were opened, we do not know. Or who opened his eyes, we do not know. Ask him. He's of age. He will speak for himself. And of course, they're doing this because they're afraid. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone confessed him to be Christ, he would be put out of the synagogue. So they... they kick them out and they could no longer go back for this reason the parents said he's of age ask him now we're going to see how this guy grows in his understanding of who jesus is so at first he he just responded i have no idea what was in his mind can you can you ever imagine someone spitting making mud putting it on your eyes and then telling you to go wash i'd say dude i'm gonna i'm gonna smack you like, what are you putting this junk on my eyes for? You know, you just like, this is weird. But he listened, he obeyed, and then his eyes opened. And so then he goes, this guy must be a prophet. And so then Jesus says, uh, verse 24, So a second time they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. And then he answered and he said, Whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, I see. See, he's only saying what he knows. He doesn't, he doesn't have a theology for Jesus. He doesn't have an understanding fully of who he is. But he goes, all I know is I once was blind, but now I see. That's why you don't have to know everything. You don't have to have all the answers. You testify what he's done. And it says, so they said to them, why did he do this to you? <laughs> or what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he answered them. He says, I told you already, and you did not listen. Why? Do you want to hear it again? You don't want to become his disciples, do you? I love that answer. This is fun. I love this. He's going, hey, quit asking me this. You've already asked. And they reviled him and said, you are his disciple, but we're disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he is from. And here's the man again. He goes, the man answered and said, well, here's an amazing thing, that you do not know where he's from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is God-fearing and does his will, he hears him. Since the beginning of time, it has never been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. 
So now he's, he's preaching. He's giving them some great theology that they should listen to. And they answered him, you were born entirely in sins. That's their concept because he was born blind. He had to be a sinner. And he says, are you teaching us? So they put him out. Now Jesus finds him. And this is where he learns who Jesus is. Jesus heard that they had put him out. And finding him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? And he answered and he said, who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, you have both seen him. And he is the one talking with you. He's saying, it's me. And he said, Lord... I believe, and he worshiped him. So here's what we have. Lord, I believe. Now he understands he's the Messiah. Now he understands he's the one, and he worships him, and he opens his heart even more. And isn't that what happens with people? They come to Jesus, and they understand just a little bit of the gospel, but the more they see of him and the more they understand him, the more they get who he is. And so that's important. And it says, Lord, I believe. So, just to remind you, we're going to be doing Go 2020, and I want to encourage every single one of us to, to go through the training that's coming up. So we have some training.